Three months after the 2020 election, the Libs published an article in Time magazine explaining how they rigged it. The secret history of the shadow campaign that saved the 2020 election. In a way, Time magazine wrote, Trump was right. There was a conspiracy unfolding behind the scenes, one that both curtailed the protests and coordinated the resistance from CEOs. Both surprises were the result of an informal alliance between left-wing activists and business titans. Their work touched every aspect of the election. They got states to change voting systems and laws and helped secure hundreds of millions in public and private funding. They fended off voter suppression lawsuits, recruited armies of poll workers, and got millions of people to vote by mail for the first time. They successfully pressured social media companies to take a harder line against disinformation and use data-driven strategies to fight viral smears. This piece is thousands of words long. It's worth reading all of them. But the short version is that the libs rigged the election. Now, of course, you're not allowed to say that. If you say that, you will be called a conspiracy theorist and a kook and an election denier and an insurrectionist. But they're allowed to say it. They boast about it in what Mike Anton calls the celebration parallax. When the libs talk about rigging the 2020 election, it's a wonderful thing to be celebrated. Look, guys, we did it. Look how we did it. When conservatives repeat the libs' own words back to them, it becomes a dangerous conspiracy theory and a threat to democracy. But they did rig the election, and they're doing it again. And this time, they're not waiting until three months after they do it to admit that they did it. They're admitting it right now. And they don't need thousands of words to admit it. In fact, they barely used any words, as you can see from the search warrant affidavit that Biden's DOJ used to justify the raid on President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Just black, 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 all redacted text. There must be some really powerful stuff in here to justify such an unprecedented attack on a former president and current chief political rival. But I can't know that for sure because all of the crucial information in the affidavit is redacted. There are so many blank pages in this affidavit, I'm thinking of suing for plagiarism. On top of the stonewalling, they released the affidavit on Friday because, as with all Friday news dumps, they hoped to kill the story over the weekend and start again with some news stories on Monday. But this story is ongoing, and it's going to keep ongoing until Election Day 2024. And the story is simple as can be. The entrenched powers are going to do every single thing that they can, norms and procedures and rule of law be damned, to rig the 2024 election and ensure that the people don't have the chance to send Donald Trump back to the White House. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment on Friday is from Someday Glory, who says, this is, this is how the conversation went between the FBI and Facebook. Hey, Mark, can you help us hurt Trump? Uh, yeah, you're, you, you're going to say anything if we spy using our software? <laughs> Do we get a copy? Of course. Then no. That's probably how it actually went. That's probably true. I think that version is a lot closer to the truth than anything we're being told, certainly by the FBI and the DOJ, really by any of the established powers. We need to hire better people to run our government. When you want to hire better people, I strongly recommend you check out ZipRecruiter. 
Right now, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. Hiring is challenging, especially right now when you've got so much on your plate. Luckily, there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect with qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful matching technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review those recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. That's why ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of January 1st, 2022. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Our listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash K-N-O-W-L-E-S, just like Beyonce. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. They're doing it. They're rigging the election. They're rigging the 2024 election in real time, and they're not even trying to conceal it. Well, they're, they're concealing it in the sense that they're concealing almost this entire affidavit. Just look at all this, all this black text. Everything's just blacked out. Uh, but other, a, a, after knocking down Trump's door at Mar-a-Lago and after investigating his businesses for tax fraud or whatever. Now they're also just calling to indict him. So the New York Times editorial board has this piece uh, just ran August 26th. Uh, Donald Trump is not above the law. And uh, they talk about how the, the Trump's unprecedented assault on the integrity of American democracy requires a criminal investigation. And then they need to indict Trump. And then they need to just do anything they can to stop this guy from running for president. Now, they can do whatever they want. They can kick down his door. They can take all of his papers. They can arrest his campaign staff. They can arrest him. They can put him in prison. Donald Trump is going to run for president. Barring some unforeseen health problem, you know, unless he gets Clinton or something like that, sorry, unless he, you know, falls into a depression and commits suicide, God forbid. The guy is going to run. He's telling everyone around him that he's 200% going to run for president and they can't stop him. Whether they use the Presidential Records Act or the Espionage Act or whatever other nonsense they're trying to bring up, whether they throw him in jail, the guy can still run. Let's not forget the 1920 presidential election. Eugene Debs, who is the most prominent socialist in America, was arrested by his political rival, Eugene Debs obviously had never been a president himself, but he was running as a socialist. Even from prison, he got 7% of the vote, about 6.8%, I think it was. Donald Trump obviously would get a much higher percentage of the vote. So he'll run. He's going to run, I think, from pretty much anywhere. And that's what's driving the libs nuts. And that's why they're throwing spaghetti at the wall. Had Donald Trump not intimated that he was going to run again, I think they would let the guy sail off into the sunset. Someone pointed out yesterday, some blue check on Twitter said, gosh, can you believe it? Donald Trump, he's under investigation for tax fraud and for classified document possession and for this, that, and the other thing. He said, can you believe, and he's the Republican front runner in 2024. Right. I think maybe you've got it backwards. Why do you think he's under investigation for all those things? Because the, because the FBI and the DOJ regularly prosecute cases of ex-presidents having classified documents? No, of course not. They didn't, they don't go after Obama for that. And they didn't go after Clinton for that kind of stuff. Bill Clinton stole not just documents. He stole the furniture out of the White House. They went after him. I don't think so. They didn't go after LBJ. They didn't go after Richard Nixon on that, for goodness sakes. No, they don't. They're just throwing spaghetti at the wall because he is the Republican front runner and they don't want him to be the guy. Federal law enforcement right now is being used as the private police for the Democrats. 
The FBI is basically admitting that. So after Mark Zuckerberg shows up on Joe Rogan's show and he says, hey, don't blame us for censoring Trump. Don't, bl- don't blame us for censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. We got a call from the FBI and we just went along with it. After that, the FBI had to respond. It was such an explosive allegation. And here's the response. The FBI routinely notifies U.S. private sector entities, including social media providers, of potential threat information so that they can decide how to better defend against threats. And the FBI cannot ask or direct companies to take action on information received. We just kind of, you know, we just kind of let them know. So this is an admission of guilt. If the FBI did not pressure Facebook to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story, they would have just said it. Said, we never told Facebook about this. We never told Facebook to suppress this thing. But instead they're saying, look, okay, look, sometimes we call up social media companies. We say, hey, hey, we sure wouldn't like this story to get out there. Hey, that's a nice big tech platform you got there. Sure would be a shame if something happened to it. Sure would be a shame if you got prosecuted, wouldn't it be? So anyway, maybe let's suppress this little story over here. And that's obviously what happened. And this was particularly significant because after the 2020 election, you had, according to one survey, 17% of Biden voters who said that had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop story, they wouldn't have voted for Biden, which certainly would have swung the election to Donald Trump, unless you had a lot more, a lot more shenanigans in the weeks that it took to count the ballots, unless you had a lot more shenanigans in, say, Pennsylvania, where they just sent out widespread mail-ins in violation of state, the state constitution. Even with all of that, if you swing 17% of Biden voters to Trump, I don't see how they could even pretend that Joe Biden won the election. So Facebook did that. And what we're now learning is actually the FBI did that. They did that in 2020. You don't think they're going to do that in 2024? They already are. They're kicking down the guy's door. Of course they're going to do that. And it's not because they're even after Trump. It's not because of that Trump is so special. You know, they're all pretending that Trump is Hitler or something like that. Let's not forget, until Trump started running in 2015, Donald Trump was one of the most beloved cultural figures in America. Everyone got a kick out of Trump. He had the most popular show on NBC. He, had, he was in hundreds of rap songs. The Republicans kind of got a kick out of him. The Democrats got a kick. Everybody liked the guy. He was a popular celebrity, kind of helped out New York, fixed that ice skating rink. And then he runs for office as a Republican, and he actually does things that conservatives want him to do. He's really the first president of my lifetime to make a a conscious effort to do what the conservative base wants him to do, not just the chamber of commerce. And what happens? They call him Hitler and they say, we've got to change all the rules and and we've, we've got to act in a lawless manner to stop him from running for president again. And according to Joe Biden, by the way, the, the Americans who voted for him, the, you know, virtually the entire Republican party, they're the fringe, they're the radicals. According to Joe Biden, it's the, the never Trump Republicans, which makes up, I think, about seven people at this point. The never Trump Republicans, they're the mainstream. He, Biden just tweeted out, quote, in this moment, those who love this country, Democrats, independents, and mainstream Republicans must be stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving America than MAGA Republicans are to destroying America. What percentage of the Republican Party is never Trump? The most generous wild statistics on this would say about 6% or so. 94% of Republicans support Trump, at least. And really, I bet the number is even higher than that. And yet, according to Biden, that that 6% tops, that's the mainstream. The rest of you, virtually half the country, they're the fringe. I'm sorry, we're the fringe. We're the radicals. we're, We're trying to destroy America, half this country, according to Biden. And we've got to essentially 
be kept out of the electoral system, deplatformed on social media, have our votes suppressed, not be able to express our views, have our, have our candidate locked up for whatever reason, to save democracy, lock up half the country to save democracy. Does that make sense to you? doesn't make sense to me. Gets me thinking that I really need to get my energy up for a tough political fight. When I want to really just feel good, get my energy up, you know I got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, head on over to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Regardless of what Joe Biden wants to call a recession, Americans are worried. Food and gas prices are higher than I've ever seen in my lifetime. We're, we're talking about 40-year high, really all-time highs, I guess. That's why I'm so very grateful for my favorite meat delivery service, Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers offers an inflation-proof subscription model that lets you lock in the price the day you subscribe. I'm not joking or exaggerating. Even with all the crazy inflation that we're seeing, you subscribe right now. You can always buy Good Ranchers, just a one-off box of meat. But if you subscribe, the price will never go up for the cost of your subscription. Also, you can pause your subscription for up to 90 days, cancel anytime you want, but you're not going to want to. Not only that, Good Ranchers is also currently running a back-to-school give-back program with the goal of donating 100,000 high-quality meals to children in need. Uh, to help them, I'm offering 10 lucky listeners the chance to win 30 minutes with me via Zoom on September 30th. We're calling it a meet and greet. Do you get it? Uh, you can ask me anything on the call. It'll be a lot of fun. Head on over to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout. You get 30 bucks off plus free shipping. Subscribe to lock in your price. Recession-proof your meals for life. Be automatically entered to win 30 minutes of all access with me on September 30th. That offer ends August 31st. Goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout. According to the White House, now I'm not saying the fringe people on MSNBC or CNN or the crazy blue checks. I'm saying according to the White House, ordinary conservatives are fascists, a threat to democracy, trying to destroy democracy. The actual mainstream of the Republican Party, 95% of the Republican Party, we are fascists, according to the White House. Only semi-fascism coming. Yeah. Uh, is this something we're going to hear more of, that phrase? Is it something the president's going to kind of embrace? Or is there any sense that it was, uh, you know, a little impromptu and it's going to turn into a kind of basket of deplorables thing that he regrets and that tries to be quiet about? I, look, I was very clear when, uh, when laying out uh, and defining uh, what... Uh, you know, MAGA Republicans have done, and you look at the definition of fascism, and you think about uh, what they're doing in, in attacking our democracy, what they're doing in taking away uh, our freedoms, uh, taking away, wanting to take away our rights, our voting rights. I mean, that is what that is. It is very clear, and that's why he made that um, that uh, that powerful speech uh, that you heard uh, from him last night. And he has not shied away from saying that. If you look at the definition of fascism, I would be willing to bet my entire life savings. I would be willing to bet all the rights to my to my book with words, to my book without words. I would I would be willing to bet all of every single dollar that I ever will make that Corinne Jean-Pierre, White House press secretary, has never even heard of, much less read, the, the doctrine of fascism. The, the essay by Mussolini, Mussolini invents fascism for all intents and purposes. The essay by Mussolini and the Italian philosopher Giovanni Gentile that defines fascism, the doctrine of fascism. I guarantee you, she, is, she has never even heard of it. I promise you that 
Corinne Jean-Pierre and all of the libs who fling this word fascism around have never read, I don't know, Filippo Marinetti, who was the founder of futurism, interestingly, and then uh, becomes one of the founders of fascism, writes an early fascist kind of constitution. It's uh, it, it was an, er, an early kind of constitution of, of the Italian fasci of, of combat. I guarantee it's the, it was one of the early manifestos. I guarantee you that she's never even heard of the thing or any of those people involved. I, because for the libs, fascism just means something I don't like. Now, fascism has a meaning. Fascism was an actual discrete political movement that comes out of Italy I, I happen to have read a fair bit about fascism just, just by happenstance. My majors in college were history and Italian. <laughs> so if you don't read, if you, if you don't read a thing or two about fascism, you've probably missed a fair bit of the, of the uh, last hundred years of Italian history, 100, 130, 140 years of Italian history, but it's a real thing. Okay. And it, it's lost its meaning. It is now, I think Orwell pointed out to all it really means is something that I do not prefer. The, the, purpose of using this language fascism is not to refer to anything that the Republicans are actually doing. We're not. I mean, there is, it is very, very silly to compare American conservatives in the year of our Lord 2022 to fascists. It's just, it, you have to be totally ignorant to, to do that. But the, the political effect of this, the reason that they're using this kind of rhetoric is because fascism, one, is elided with Nazism in the modern imagination, even though those two movements are very different movements, but they, they blur the two. And it's a way of saying that my opponents are the incarnation of evil, because in the modern conception, the fascists are the absolute perfect 100% incarnation of evil. And so they have no rights whatsoever. They need to be exterminated. They need to be kicked out of the body politic, ostracized at best. They need violence to be inflicted upon them. They are completely delegitimized. That's what that means. And that's what the White House is saying. That's why they're using that term. They're not using the term because it's precise. They're not using the term because they know what it means. They don't. They're just using the term to say, my political opponents, the Republicans, they're not mainstream, even though they're half the country, and they need to be ostracized, suppressed, pushed to the fringes, and exterminated. That's what they're saying. Do you remember there was some kind of uh, white supremacist type a few years ago, uh, Richard Spencer, who was out. He was, I don't know, he was talking on a street corner or something, and a guy walks up and just clocks him, punches him right in the face. And usually, no matter what, what someone's opinion in America, if they're peacefully expressing their opinion, we're all supposed to say, okay, no political violence. That's really not acceptable. And do you remember when Richard Spencer got punched in the face, all of the mainstream journalists laughed about it. They joked about it. Jake Tapper posted a comic of Captain America. He said, oh, well, that's what happens. We, we punch fascists in the face. doesn't matter how odious you find Richard Spencer or his views. What you're seeing is a mainstreaming of political violence. And by the way, the libs see absolutely no difference between... Uh, Richard Spencer or whoever, some kind of more fringy political character, and Donald Trump and the average Trump voter and ordinary mainstream Republicans. They see no difference and they are implicitly, sometimes explicitly, calling for political violence on all of them. And it, it's happening. I'm not being hyperbolic. A lib tried to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh at his home like a month and a half ago. Okay. You had mainstream Republicans for the past, mainstream Democrats rather, for the past three or four years, Maxine Waters, Hillary Clinton, all the rest, calling for violence, <laughs> calling for people to push back, quote unquote, on Republicans, mainstream elected and appointed Republicans in public spaces, to not be civil with them. 
Hillary Clinton's words, to go to their homes. Maxine, that's what Maxine Waters was calling for. Eric Holder calling for this kind of stuff. All sorts of, this is becoming mainstream. We're, we're still two years out. We're not even two years out yet from the presidential election. Things are going to accelerate very, very quickly. And even with all of that, even with all the constant haranguing and being told we're, we're fascists and all the rest, the GOP is still absolutely crushing it on the generic ballot. So before midterm elections, you have the generic congressional ballot. It's not measuring the actual candidates who are running in the different counties and, and different districts rather, but it's just measuring Republican versus Democrat. And it's a, usually a pretty good indicator of how the parties are going to do in the midterms. A generic Republican candidate is now holding a five-point lead over the generic Democrat, that according to Rasmussen. Uh, the midterm elections are 74 days away. The most recent report showed that Republicans are leading 47 to 42. Now, this is down a little bit from July. July, the Republicans had a 10-point advantage, which is just insane. That's a ridiculous advantage on the generic ballot. But the five-point lead is great, and the drop has stopped. So it went 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, but it's, it's maintained five now for some time. And also, by the way, when Democrats took the House for the first time in eight years back in 2018, they had a five-point advantage. Okay. And by the way, they, they had a, a five-point advantage at this time in that cycle. Their advantage actually narrowed going into November and they still retook the House. So the Republicans are sitting pretty right now. It's hard to imagine, short of some kind of crazy shenanigans in the election, that Republicans don't retake the House. Will they retake the Senate? It's a tougher map. It's kind of hard to know. But the momentum is clearly on the Republican side, even with all the threats, all the, all the risk of violence from the libs, even with the FBI kicking down the door and the social media companies clamping down, people realize that our Democrat-led ruling class is really corrupt and not doing very well for the country. We are in, I think, a period of renewal. And you're seeing this not just at the political level, though the political level is a representation of this but at a cultural level and ultimately at a religious level. You're seeing this, oh my gosh, Eminem. I don't really like Eminem. I don't really listen to rap music generally. Eminem just comes out and posts a Christian rap song over Kanye West. You know, Kanye West has had this very prominent kind of reversion or conversion to Christianity. Well, Eminem, who's a way more lib, kind of angry type rapper, he's just come out and wrapped the lines, quote, today's the day I put all of my trust and faith in you, Father. Please let this hate make me stronger, for they turn on me like a zombie. It's like I'm being strangled unconscious when temptation is almost like Satan is make, making you trying to take you away from your daughters. He's rapping about rectangular objects in the end, about, about coffins, about life and death. He's calling on his savior, and he's doing it over Kanye's song. We are living in a period of renewal. I'm going to get to this full song in the member block today. Every day we do something a little different on the member block. Sometimes we interview people. Sometimes we go into music. Sometimes we go into crazy woke ads that we react to. We're going to get into this song in the member block today because I really want to go over it lyric by lyric. But this is a period of renewal. And it doesn't always feel like we're living in a period of great spiritual renewal, but we are. It is happening right now. You are seeing it, whether you think it is uh, sincere or not, whether you, wh whether you think there are some other motivations here or not, it is simply happening. This Eminem song over this Kanye West song is a sign of the times. Why is Eminem 
rapping about Christianity all of a sudden and doing so in a way that seems to contradict some of his previous rap. Why is it? Well, there's two explanations. One, the charitable view is that Eminem is really experiencing tough temptation and he's realizing the, uh, the shallowness of a life lived for material pleasure and in this kind of squishy, secular, awful, ultimately satanic kind of mindset. And he's saying, no, I want, I want something better. I choose God. Okay, I, I reject all that temptation and I choose God. That's the charitable view. Now, let's say that that's not the case. Let's say Eminem, this is all just kind of a performance. None of this is really sincerely felt. At the very least, what it means is that Eminem is looking at the culture and saying the future of this culture is with God. The future of this culture is with Christianity. All that just atheistic, materialistic crap, that's old, that's passe, that's dated. And if I want to remain relevant in the culture, I'm going to do that. Look at Kanye, who's, who's the, essentially the biggest pop star in the world. It's Kanye West in many, many ways. That guy is kind of the future. You look at politics and celebrity culture. Who's the, who's the biggest celebrity in the world? The biggest celebrity world is, in the world is Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, again, I, whatever he sincerely believes, I think he probably has some sincere belief, but whatever he sincerely believes, he talks a lot about God. He talks a lot about Christianity. He talks a lot about rejecting our decadent, depraved, atheistic, crazy culture and, and pursuing a more traditional culture and pursuing Christianity ultimately. So you, you don't, frankly, to, to, to be comforted by this, to be encouraged by this, none of these people even need to believe it sincerely. The very fact they are, that they are observing the culture and saying, oh, this is the future. God is the future, which is, yeah, God is the past and the present and the future. Whether we, but the, the move toward God, the acceptance of God, the a kind of spiritual reawakening, the fact that all of these pop culture kings, moguls, celebrities, the fact that they see that is a very, very encouraging sign. There's a, there's a related story here that I want to get to. I meant to get to this last week. There's this uh, heretical liberal Jesuit priest by the name of Father James Martin. And uh, James Martin, he's, he's a spiritual type of advisor, I think, and at least a friend to people like Stephen Colbert, people, Joe Biden, the Democrats, those kind of people. And so the other day, a former archbishop named Rembert Weekland died at the age of 95. And uh, Archbishop Weekland was notorious. He was a, a really notorious figure in the episcopacy. This guy shredded copies of the weekly reports detailing child sexual abuse by priests. Uh, Weekland it admitted this, by the way, in a 1993 deposition that he destroyed these copies. Uh, he admitted that he was in a homosexual relationship. He was not celebrate. He broke his, he broke his vows. Uh, he he uh, pretended that he didn't think sexual abuse of children was criminal. He actually said in his, in his autobiography, he said, quote, we all considered sexual abuse of minors as a moral evil, but had no understanding of its criminal nature. Are you kidding me? You don't need to get a PhD in criminology to know that it's, it's illegal to rape children. Are you kidding me? You never heard about this anywhere? It's just so brazen, the gaslighting from this guy. He, it turned out he paid half a million bucks, almost $450,000 in hush money to his former male lover. So he, he embezzled money from his, from his diocese to pay off his gay lover. It was just, you know, 
probably the sort of fella who ought to repent, and we should pray for him, obviously, but he should go off into the sunset pretty quietly. And this priest, this uh, liberal, heretical Jesuit priest, James Martin, Father Martin tweets out, Archbishop Rembert Weekland has died, an erudite scholar, gifted pastor, and Benedictine abbot primate. Uh, his legacy was marred by revelations that he paid money to a man with whom he had been in a relationship. I considered him a friend and mourned his loss. May he rest in peace. This is the compliment sandwich. This is, he was a really great guy. And yeah, he, maybe he did some bad things, but I'm going to really downplay those bad things. I'm going to really downplay them. And he was a really good guy. That's, and that's the compliment sandwich. This reminds me of when that Muslim terrorist was assassinated by the U.S. And then the Washington Post called him an austere religious scholar. The guy was the head of ISIS. <laughs> an austere religious scholar has died. I don't think that's the defining feature of this fella. Why do I bring this up? Not even to talk about Archbishop Weekland, not even really to talk about Father James Martin. It's just to point out, no young person listens to Father James Martin or listens to him in a way that is to, you know, edifying. Sometimes we will listen to him just to figure out what the, the kind of un, unpleasant forces within working within the church are talking about. But we don't, we don't listen to him and say, wow, that was so sanctifying. Wow, that was so edifying. That really taught me something about myself. The people who listen to Father James Martin are boomer lib secularists and lukewarm people and squishes and Stephen Colbert and, and Joe Biden. And this is a really important fact because while the libs and the squishes and the lukewarm people have told us for years that we need to destroy the liturgy and water down Christianity and stop preaching the truth and go lib on everything, and that's the only way we're going to attract the youths back to church. It's the only way we're going to win the youths over to our cause. It's just manifestly not true. That's not what young people want. Young people do not want squishiness and worldliness and lukewarmness. Young people want the truth. Young people want clarity. Young people want courage. Okay, where these squishes dominate, where these where these lukewarm people dominate, in, in when it comes to the church, it's in churches where the median age is about ninety two, and there are three people who show up to mass. When these squishes dominate in the culture, it is all just these kind of aged hippies who never got over the age of Aquarius, just bitterly hanging on. But the young people who actually have vigor and energy and are willing to retake the culture, those people are on the side of orthodoxy. Those people are on the side of truth. Those people, they don't want to find some conciliation on, on concepts that are totally opposed. They don't want to find a middle ground between right and wrong and true and false and good and evil, okay? The young people who have clarity and courage, the young people who are really fired up. They're the ones who are saying, hey, this transgender stuff is insane. Men are men and women are women. And the squishes and the lukewarm people who say, well, actually, no, look, maybe, okay, look, here's what we'll do. We're just gonna, we're just gonna chop off people's genitals, but only once they've turned 12. Not when they're 11, okay? We're gonna find a middle. No, you say there's no middle ground. Boys can't be girls. This is extremely destructive nonsense. Just cut it out. That's what young people want. That is why Donald Trump is the coolest thing to happen to politics in our lifetimes. That's why he's got disproportionate support among young people. That is why the Democrat, even forget about Trump for a second, that is why the Republican Party is filled with young, vigorous talent. Ron DeSantis, he's a young man. He's vigorous. He's popular. Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz is 50 years old. I'm, I'm a little bit biased because I host a, a podcast with him. That podcast is one of the most popular political podcasts in the world. It has a disproportionately young audience. Why is that? Because the guy is speaking courageously because the guy just calls it like he sees it. 
Who are the other prominent politicians on the Republican side? Josh Hawley, super young. J.D. Vance, super young. Blake Masters, super young. Marco Rubio, super young. There's, I could go on and on. Even Nikki Haley, even Tim Scott, even some of the more moderate Republicans. They're young, they're vigorous. When you think of the Democrats, who do you think of? Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, all these people who are 150 years old, who just never got over the 1960s and the 1970s, and who do, they have absolutely no idea what time it is. Speaking of the Utes, horrible story about, we've talked about him on this show. This young boy, he's 10 years old, and his pervert mother calls him the youngest transgender model in the world. And he goes by the name Noella. I don't know what his real name is. So the father of this boy has just come out and, and said a really heartbreaking thing. He said, I have no say in this child's life. So Noella whatever his real name is, has a younger brother named Levi. They were born to D. McCord and Timothy McCord. And then D. and Timothy divorced. And D. Uh, I guess became a lesbian or something, but now D. and D.'s lesbian partner, they don't, they identify as not women or as men, or I don't know. They're obviously very confused people and they're forcing their sexual confusion and perversions on this poor little kid. And now they're convincing the little kid to be a girl and to strut around for other perverts on the, on the, on the red carpet. And this poor father has no say in, in his life. He says, I have no say in it. She's not my kid anymore. And this is really interesting that even the father here is buying into this transgender thing. But he's saying, I don't, I'll use the she and I'm trying, but I don't, but I just want to have some, maybe not, he shouldn't be modeling or she shouldn't be modeling or, or whatever. Now, it's very difficult to know what happened in this breakup. The, the woman is alleging some kind of abuse, but again, this woman is a complete lunatic. So I don't believe a word that she says. Uh, and what the father says is, I was given the opportunity to step back and let Dee's partner adopt the kids. And I did that in the hopes that they would not have all the stress that this is causing in their lives. But obviously, it's causing a whole lot more stress because of these people now raising this poor kid. The issue here is not men's rights or father's rights. The issue is not even transgenderism. That's a kind of symptom of this. The issue is divorce. The fact that a divorce could happen is the cause of all of these problems. The fact that we have a no-fault divorce culture here and have for 50 years. Although in New York, they didn't have no-fault divorce on the books until about 10 or 13 years ago. But that's what's causing this. The problems run so much deeper. They've been building for so long. And now we see the extreme expression of it in a 10-year-old strutting down in stiletto heels, you know, for twerking around for perverts. But the, the, the earliest manifestation of this began in the 1960s and the 1970s. And some people still haven't woken up out of the age of Aquarius, but the young people, the, the people who are fired up, they have, and they realize the problems are not just going to be fixed by having some conciliation with transgenderism. We've got to rip this stuff out, root and branch. Are you still giving your money to woke razor companies that hate your guts, that see masculinity as toxic, and that think you should teach your daughter to shave her beard? Well, there is a better way. Do you know what the better way is? Jeremy's Razors. They are 100% real. They're 100% woke-free. They're 100% fabulous. The premium matte tungsten handle has more heft than the left. The razor head pivots without caving, has six blades that are sharper than truth. When you buy Jeremy's razors, you aren't just making Jeremy richer. 
you're making the whole woke left poorer. And that's it. You know, for me, if it were just making Jeremy richer, I'd be, I'd kind of take it or leave it. But the fact that I can shave and with every stroke be just very vindictive and impoverish the left, that makes me very eager to do so. 75,000 people have already made the switch. Go to jeremysrazors.com to get your Founders Series Shave Kit today. jeremysrazors.com. Jeremy's Razors, shut up and shave. Speaking of the kids, horrifying scene from a Charlotte Pride Parade. You know, the Pride Parades, they're family-friendly events. They're really wonderful. They deserve our public funding. They need space in the public square because it's all about love. Love is love and acceptance, and they're really, really great, right? Except we all know that none of that is true, and we have video evidence of it. There's a poor little kid who was brought up onto a stripper pole with some half-naked, I think, woman, uh, and, and he was riding on her bare midriff and lower parts, and she was kind of shaking on the pole, showing this poor little kid how to strut for all of the other perverts in the audience. Uh, th- th- this wasn't even really the craziest thing at this pride parade. There's a video of of all of these. I think I think a number of them are women just jiggling, and they're all not half naked. They're all probably ninety five percent naked. Take a look. We've got to blur out most of this stuff. This this is what we're being told is family friendly, and it's just. A sex show. That's all it, all it really is. And that's all really that it, it has ever been. I, I'm reminded of a line from Jason Whitlock. You know, Jason Whitlock over at The Blaze. I loved this line. I was on a show with him one time. I, I wish I had the clip. We were talking about marriage and what to do about marriage. And Jason Whitlock was explaining why redefining marriage is such a dumb idea. And I think this, this advice applies to the pride parades and all the rest of it. He said, you know, not everything is for everyone. When I was a young man, I was a little more promiscuous, and my friends and I would go to strip clubs. I didn't get married because that wasn't for me. Because if you're the kind of guy who's going to strip clubs, you can't simultaneously be the guy that's getting married. Not everything is for everyone. And that's true. That's such a good point. And a lot of wisdom there from Jason Whitlock. Pride parades are not for children. Obviously, they're filled with leather daddies and all sorts of sexually deviant people performing sexually deviant acts in public. Those are obviously not for kids. And if you talk to any of the people who aren't so twisted in their head, who aren't completely lost, and you said, hey, do you think a 10-year-old should be at this thing? They would probably admit, no, it's probably not really appropriate. But we cannot in public life, we cannot simply tolerate things. This is one of the, this is one of the weaknesses of, of liberalism, the modern kind and the classical kind. One of the weaknesses of liberalism is that it pretends that the public square is neutral and we can all just tolerate everything and it won't affect our public life. And that's not true. People have noticed that we've gone from uh, moral opprobrium for the weird sex stuff to then for about five minutes, we tolerated it. And then instantly it became mandatory celebration. It's not just, hey, tolerate me. Hey, include me now. It's you have to celebrate me. You have to put the pride flag on your shirt. You need to put the special square on social media. You've got to actively celebrate it. And that's, that's because that's how politics works. 
we have, in order to have a republic, which republic comes from res publica, like the, the, the stuff we've got in common, then we've got to have those things in common and we've got to have sacred, sacred things in common. We've got to exalt certain things. We've got to cast down other things. We have to have taboos, taboos that are very high, taboos that are very low and disgusting. And we, we, have, to, we have to come to some agreement on that. The pride parades are sick and disturbing, and they should be illegal everywhere. <laughs> and because you, there's no way to have the pride parade on Main Street and say that the kids aren't allowed to come. Because when you do that, then you're admitting that they're obscene and perverted. And when you admit that, then, then you've undercut your argument for having them on Main Street, right in the public square. So we've got, to, there's not going to be some squishy, weak, lukewarm middle ground here, okay? And when you talk to the young people, I can't, I talked to a member of Congress not all that long ago. I couldn't believe how deluded he was on this question. He said, you know, I, I've always, he was a, he's a very good member of Congress. I really like the guy. But he said, you know, I just assume young people are kind of more libertarian. That's what I assume. I don't think that's true. The young people that I talk to are way more hardcore. They have way more moral clarity and way more courage than the kind of boomer conservatives who are largely just about cut my taxes and leave me alone. Because they see it, because they realize the consequences of it. And we didn't have to deal with the immediate consequences during the age of Aquarius. We certainly do. Now, speaking of public celebrations, Drew Barrymore really stepped in it. Oh, yes, she did. Drew Barrymore, beloved film and TV star, very well. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Drew Barrymore. She just posted a TikTok of herself frolicking in the rain. And a black identity activist got very, very upset by it. <laughs> you and I both know that you are capable of enjoying the rain and frolicking freely without filming it and then posting it to TikTok. Now, you've just co-signed, okay? You've just co-signed at least 3 million, 8.5 by 11 front and back people who just go out of their way to disrespect and dismiss the boundaries that black creators have set. And now you're one of those people. So I guess my question would be, why? Why, would, why is it so important to all of you to treat us like we don't matter. Yeah, Drew. Yeah, Drew Barrymore. Why, why did you have to be so mean to black people by frolicking in the rain? <laughs> when I first saw this clip, I thought it had to be satire. Maybe it is, but I don't think it is. She's, and the woman isn't making any argument. As I was trying, I listened to it, I've listened to it multiple times now. I don't hear any argument. I hear words that are being said in succession, but I don't see any of them forming a coherent English sentence. And, but it, she's got the tone of an argument. Be like saying, pineapple microphone, pineapple gibbity goobledy, gibbledy goobledy gobbledy glass, glass wood, up, down, green, purple hammer. Right, it's I've got the tone and the inflection of an argument, but I'm just saying gibberish. That's what that woman is doing because it's really representative, actually, of how the left is conducting politics. Because they're not making arguments that that refer to 
the, the real meaning of words that use words in the correct way. That's what you hear when Karine Jean-Pierre calls everyone fascists, but can't point to any definition of fascism. That's what you see with political correctness when the word, when the libs just change the meaning of all the words, sometimes multiple times in a single sentence, because it's not about any logical argument. It's all just about power. That video, what that comes down to is white people, bad. Black people, good. White people do what black people tell white people to do. That's all that really means. If, if, if you can pretend that frolicking in the rain is a race issue and that you have the right because of your race to tell someone else because of her race not to frolic in the rain, then all you're saying is you, you as a result of your race need to be subservient to me as a result of my race. That's all that means. It's about power. And that's what all of this is about. You're seeing a similar argument from not just some kook on TikTok, but from some kook running for the United States Senate. A, uh, the Democrat candidate for Senate in Wisconsin, Jesse Mandela Barnes, has just argued that national parks are, you guessed it, racist. Quote, it's important to create more welcoming spaces because things haven't always felt welcome. And that's historical, just that perspective, given the fact that national parks weren't made for the enjoyment of people who weren't white. National parks are built on land that was indigenous. Huh? Things were bad. Things were terrible. The founding of this nation, awful, he says. But you know, we are here now and we should commit ourselves to, to do everything we can to repair the harm because it still exists and it's, it's colonization and slavery. So there, the, the claim he's making is right there in the middle. He says, the, the founding of this nation, awful. And the proof of this is that racism is everywhere. And you can't see it. It's in the parks. Okay. Where is it? Can you point to that in history? Can you point to that right now in the parks? Do they have a, a whites only water fountain in the parks? No, but it's race. It's, it's, it's all bad. America's all bad. And then the language we use for bad is race. It's the worst. It's, it's the worst thing you can possibly be called in America is racist. So everything has to be tied back to it. Even things that have absolutely nothing to do with race, like national parks and frolicking in the rain. But all that that is about is power, and it's power aimed at a very specific uh, target, namely the traditional American political order. The founding of this country, awful, and it's all awful, and the word we're going to give to what's awful about it is racism, even though things, a lot of these things have absolutely nothing to do with race, and that's our argument for why everything needs to be overturned, all the traditions overturned, and anyone who defends the traditional American order, anyone who waves an American flag, I guess at this point mostly just Republicans, they need to be exterminated. They need to be attacked in their homes. They need to be pushed back on in public. They need to be kept from, from exercising their free speech rights. They need to be kept from speaking in the public square and voting. They need to be ostracized. And sometimes we need a little violence to be inflicted on them. That is the argument from the libs right now. The rest of the show is going to continue. You don't want to miss it. It's Music Monday, baby. We're going to be listening to this new Eminem song about the gospel and taking some of your questions and comments in the member chat. If you're not a member, click the link in the description to join us. We'll see you over there.